Good morning. I'm delighted you could be with us this morning. Uh, you may have been following the news and heard about the storm that went through. Laura roared up into Louisiana. And we are praying and uh, thinking about all those folks that are there. And if there comes an opportunity that we can help, we should all pull together, shouldn't we, and see if we can help those folks. Because there was a, understand, there was a lot of damage done. And so if that uh, raises its head and we are able to work, we will. I know that emergency services from the Adventist Church are already on their way and helping and in position. So that's there to help people that are in need. But I understand there was a tremendous amount of flooding and et cetera. But we will keep you posted about that as we go forward. Uh, but I'm delighted you're here. If you want to start a watch party, we're delighted to have you come and be part of this and share it with others uh, and uh, have a blessed experience, if you would. Uh, this morning, I would like for us to uh, look at a story that is in the book of Acts. Uh, and if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Now, while you're getting your Bible and finding your place there in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, the uh, Apostle Luke, the um, whole story of the early church, the, the apostolic church, it's called, at the time up leading up to the death of, of John, is written in the book of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of those who went and ministered of what had happened after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. So there are lots of stories in the book of Acts that I would invite you to go and read. Read it all the way through from start to finish. I think you will find it fascinating about all the stories that are there and all the experiences that happened to these folks as they were traveling around and their experience of sharing the gospel of Christ. All right, but in chapter 16, I would like for us to focus on a story, and I'll give you a little bit of background before we actually get into it. In chapter 16, Paul and Silas are on a journey, and they are traveling. They've been to various places, they've been in Lydia, and they end up going to a city called Philippi. Yes, it's a uh, church of Philippians, uh, and the Philippi, and to uh, that particular area, uh, which they started a church there. And starting, well, while they were there, and while they were meeting and doing and doing their ministry, there was a female slave who had a spirit. Now she was uh, held as uh, having some type of a spirit could tell the future, and so she belonged to these people. She was owned by the, her owners who were making money off of her and being quite influential and have power. So they had money from her and they got power over others because they had this fortune teller slave with them. Well, when she saw Paul and Silas, she called out to them, oh, these are men from the Most High God. These are the men from the Most High God. You need to follow them. And she began to yell that. Well, you would think, well, that would be a good advertisement, wouldn't it? Well, Paul and Silas didn't think it that way, and they said to her, and they turned around, and after they had had this going on and on for quite a few times, Paul and Silas got annoyed, the Bible says with it. They got annoyed with this one. I think I would be too if that was happening to me, having somebody going around like that, you know, a little bit off, not quite right, not, not helping, um, because she had an evil spirit in her. Well, 
he turned around and he cast the devil out of her and she lost that spirit well the owners her owners were furious because now they had lost money and they had lost their power this girl no longer could do that and so now they were extremely angry and they went after paul and silas and they pushed him to the authorities they made up all kinds of bad things about them and therefore they were taken and pushed for a crowd over to have something to do with these people they they were extremely angry they had lost their money and they had lost their power well that's where this story begins uh, as we look and let's begin with verse 22 would you find that in acts 16 verse 22 acts 16 verse 22 and reading up the crowd joined in in the attack against paul and silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods and after they had been severely beaten and severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully and when he received these orders he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks can you picture that maybe you've heard this story before Maybe you can picture what is happening and taking place. Well, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and, look at that, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Praying and singing hymns to God while they had been severely beaten and flogged were in stocks in this jail and they knew nothing good was going to happen here. But they were praising God, singing hymns, praying to him. And it must have been out loud because the other prisoners there heard them, what they were saying, and said, these men are different. These men that are in there, they're not like us. They're not, there's something different about these men. These men aren't criminals. And here they heard them praying and singing hymns. We don't have any of those hymns. Maybe they were some of the Psalms that are there we don't have the music for the psalms i don't know there were lots of music the jews loved to have music but anyway they were doing this in jail well verse 26 says suddenly suddenly there was a such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once all the doors flew open and everyone's chains every prisoner's chains came loose now, when I read that, having read some of the other stories that are in the book of Acts, I knew, I saw, looking in that story, that it was the hand of God that was working there. The hand of God. A powerful earthquake that dropped everybody's chains and popped open the stocks and broke the locks. Really? It had to be the Spirit of God taking care of Paul and Silas. But it opened up all of the locks. Everybody now was instantly free, and the jail was broken apart. Well, verse 27 says that the jailer, who was in charge of them, woke up, and he saw the prison doors open, and he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because the th he thought the prisoners had escaped. Here's the story. 
it was the responsibility of the jailer to keep them. And if they lost a prisoner, particularly a particularly important prisoners, they would give up, they would be killed, they would be tortured and killed for losing them. So he knew what the fate was as he locked and looked and saw his jail was completely broken apart. And so he got his sword out to kill himself so he wouldn't have to face that. But Paul, verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer, the jailer called for a lights or a torch. And he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Would, would you look at that? As he looked at Paul and Silas and they hadn't escaped. None of the other prisoners, they were all there. He realized that their lack of running when they could have, that they stayed there, saved his life. And so he turned around and looking at these men, he must have heard them singing, he must have heard the prayers. He was close by. And so he turned around and, and admired these men and he fell at his feet and he asked them, what must I do? What do I have to do to be saved? What is the step I have to do to have that happen? Well, I can picture that in my mind as what's happening as he's kneeling there, begging Paul and Silas, thanking them that they spared his life by not running and being gone. And there he asks them the most important question any of us can ask. It is the most important question. What must I do to be saved? What do I have to do? And Paul and Silas, the Bible says, replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That's what the Bible says they told him. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and you and your household. All right. Is that it? Is that all? That's it? There's nothing more? Just believe, and you and your household will be saved? What's implied there? What is the meaning of that? It, it appears, it's so simple, just, you just believe. Okay. So, is that it? Well, I would suggest to you that it's yes and a no. Oh, now we're ducking, aren't we? Yes and no to it. But here's what I mean. Here's what I want to follow. So you have to kind of remember what the experience of what's happening with the Philippian jailer as he's going through his experience, as he's being talked to about this, he says, all you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, which was totally different than worshiping Caesar. So he said, you believe in him, trust in him, and you will be saved. All right, just tuck that in your mind for a little bit. There's another story that sounds very similar that happens with Jesus in Mark 10, 17. And following, we, we'll just pick that up and just, just keep that Philippian jailer in your mind as you hear this, and Jesus was out. And as Jesus started 
on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Look at that. Look at that. What must I do? See, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? Same sort of question, isn't it? And so this man came and he asked him plainly, what must I do? Well, Jesus responded. And he said, well, you know the commandments. You're a Jew. You know the commandments. You shouldn't murder. You shall not steal. You should not give false testimony. You should not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he responded, well, teacher, <laughs> he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. I've done all these. Notice verse 21. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the Bible records that when the men, man heard this, at this time the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, think about that. Did, is the jailer getting a better deal than this man who came? And Jesus said, well, you have to sell all your possessions and give to the poor and then come and follow me. Well, they didn't say that to the jailer. They simply said to the jailer, believe, and that would be it. Doesn't that sound a little different to you? A little, little different change there. Where the jailer said, was told, you just believe in Jesus. Well, he didn't say believe in Jesus. He said, you need to go sell all you have and then, and then follow me. But the backgrounds are different. The backgrounds are different. Believing in Jesus implies something. For the man who came to Jesus who had great wealth, Jesus told him he needed to take care of his fellow man. He needed to get rid of what was holding him back from the kingdom of God, his wealth, and then come and follow. Then come and be my disciple. Then come and follow me. When you've given up what is most important to you. But we don't have that with the Philippian jailer. He wasn't asked to do that. Because he wasn't had. He was being introduced to Christ. You see, there's something more here. Those who wish to follow Christ, those who wish to believe on him, there are at least four things, four things that they must do. Four things. The first is they must join a Christian church. Oh, wait a minute. What do you mean they have to join the Christian church? I've had people over my ministry have talked to me and said, well, I don't come to church because I can worship God by myself out in nature. I can have one. And that is absolutely true. You can. But there's a drawback to just being by yourself. Christianity, faith building, 
doesn't happen by itself. It happens in the fellowship of believers. It happens where there are others. You see, when I'm out and I can worship God and be out in nature and have a wonderful experience with God, but a tree never prays with me. A tree never asks me, how's your courage? Or can I help you? A tree never shares my burden. I can talk to the stars. I can talk to God about it. But there's something that God called upon us to be in the church, to be with fellow believers. The importance of being that. The baptism that we just witnessed is the joining, the coming together of joining the fellowship of Christ's children. Being part, it is important. For in all my ministry, I've never seen anyone out by themselves ever do anything serious for Christ. So there's an implication in believing. See, Jesus said to the man, come follow me. You know, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. There is a discipleship in following Jesus. It means something. And when you become part of the Christian church, you begin your journey in following Jesus. Number two. Number two that's important is they must learn the fundamental principles of what following Jesus really means. What does it mean to take up your cross and follow him? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to have that journey? See, it wasn't just believe. I know there are some churches, and I'm not being critical of them, but I just want to point out a part, an important part, that they say, well, once you have just accepted, once you've prayed the prayer, it doesn't matter, go your way, you're saved. Once you've, once you've said, yes, okay, Jesus, forgive me my sins, I want to be saved, that's it, go your way. No further instruction is needed, no further journey is needed. But I don't believe that's what the scriptures were talking about. I don't believe that was happened to the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. I don't believe that's what happened to the Philippian jailer as he knelt there in the jail and heard from Paul and Silas. So there's a learning, learning the fundamental principles. You know, the Bible talks about finding what the Lord asks of us. What does the Lord ask? Well, Micah 6, 8 says, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Those are things that are learned as we journey with Jesus. Those things are the things that make their way. Number three, we must do some type of spiritual exercise daily. There must be this part. And it helps us grow in our spiritual experience. I'm going to give you an example of how that works. One, one example of how we grow spiritually is in the act of prayer. Now, I was in college, in a Christian college, when I uh, was getting my education, and went to the cafeteria. And it's a Christian college where people are going to, um, everybody was kind of schooling the idea that you were going to offer a blessing before you ate, have a prayer. So I had a stopwatch on my, on my watch that I could stop. And so I decided while I'm waiting in line, I was just going to watch people and see how long they prayed their prayer, how grateful they were for God and their, and their food that he provided. And so I started, started uh, timing them. Most of them just barely got out ditto. You know, ditto from the last time I was there. That's not what prayer 
is about. Prayer is talking to God, listening to God. Prayer is communication, opening our heart to him. Then you reap the reward of prayer. And your heart and your experience with God will grow. Prayer is the key to that. Number four, we must take part in some specific Christian activity. Some, some part in helping others. We like to give opportunities as best we can for people to, to help those in need around us. Jesus called us to help those, called us to help the poor, help those around us. Someone asks you for your coat, give them your cloak also. Give them, give them what they need, help them out. So there is a response in following Jesus in that we will share Jesus' love with others by being involved in some specific activity. Well, people do a lot of good things, but not in the Christian way of sharing Christ. Christ's loving activities for others happening. So there's more here than just believe. Yeah, there's more. More than just, okay, I understand, and yeah, that sounds good to me. There's more in belief and trusting in Christ. There is the aspect of following him, following Jesus. I would like for you, if you would, to just look into your life. Look into your experience and see, are you, are you following Christ? Yes, it's simple to believe. But that opens a doorway of a great joy of being a disciple of Christ, following him. So, so now let's go back to the jailer. So the jailer was asked and said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But the story is about his household. So he shared the story. He listened to the story of Jesus. And he began his Christian journey there and became part of the active church there in Philippi. It wasn't that he just had that one night experience and said, thank you very much. I go on my way. It was a change of heart. He was to be born again, a new life, a new way. When we baptize these, uh, our people here, we would say, is it your desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he would lead you? It's the beginning of a journey. And that journey leads to great joy. That journey not only puts us in the process of being recipients of eternal life, but brings us into the joy of serving our Lord. And there's great joy when we see others who come to Christ. I'm amazed as I've watched people through all my ministry coming to find Jesus as their Savior. From all different walks of life. And I know that the Spirit of God is still working. And working in your community. Working in your home and working in your heart. So come. Decide. Today. I make my commitment a new or a beginning, I wish to follow Jesus. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this great story of the Philippian jailer. Oh, the prisoners could have run and escaped and, and said, who cares? He's a, he, he's a jailer. What do we care? But your great hand 
brought this man and his household to community in faith and to take you as their Lord and Savior. It's a beautiful and wonderful story. And I ask, Lord, during this time that it may be our opportunity to share that with others. We are in a troubled period. We're in a troubled time. And I ask, Lord, you help us with that. Be with those who were baptized. I thank you for their decision to follow you. And your grace walk with them forever. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you next week.